Welcome to Everything House Music and More. And today's my special guest is the one and only Chicago legend. And I believe the biggest house record of all time. Mr. Marshall Jefferson, move your body, man. Huh? <laughs> How you doing, Maurice? Brother, thank you for doing this, man. I appreciate you so much, brother. Um, we got it together. You know, I told you we, we would eventually make it. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, Marshall, are you ready to get into it, brother? I'm ready. All right. So here we go. This first question, I never asked anyone before. Okay. What is house music birth date? House music's birthday. Yes. Nobody knows that. Nobody knows that. I do. The earliest I heard of house music was uh, probably in 1979. Okay. And I had two cousins, Adrian and Cat Cat. They used to uh, go to the warehouse, right? And my and and uh, they started playing. Uh, we were at a family get together. They started playing some first choice, right? Okay. My cousin John said, "Oh, that's that old house music." It's now they, they said joking. house music back then. They said house music back then, but they, Adrian and Cat Cat weren't calling it that. Right. Adrian was calling it something I think like uh, rice and beans music. <laughs> right. But uh, Johnny Johnny called it house music as a derogatory term. Okay. You know because it was known. Gay club. Okay, the warehouse. The warehouse. Right. right. That, that's that old house music. Right. right. So I, I don't think people that actually went to the warehouse were calling it house music. Yes. You know. Okay. So that's my next question. <clears throat> Where did you think the term house music came from? Because you have some of the pioneers say it came from people playing the disco funk in their basement of their homes. Uh, that's the... Uh, that statement is utterly stupid. <laughs> okay. Because who doesn't play music in their home? Right. You could be from Deep Woods, Tennessee, and you'll play music at home. Right. You could play jazz at home. Right. You could play classical at home. Everybody plays their music at home. Right. So right? that's, that's so, just that, that terminology know, where it, it came from. You, if you play wrong. music in your car, do you call it car music? Ooh, no. Marshall is preaching today. No. So you know, our, it, our, the term. Our, our, hold on a second. Our lovely pioneer, Mr. Wayne Williams, quoted that. That's where the term came from of people playing the music in their homes, disco, and all these other things. And that's where the term house music came from. He went to the warehouse. Right. He knew there was a club called the Warehouse. Right. He knew people were calling it house music for short. Right. Yet it was house music because people were playing it at their house. Okay. What kind of sense does that make? So you say 1979, people were saying house music as derogatory terms, derogatory. and it wasn't that popular. It was just right. me hearing it one that one time. My cousin Johnny okay. said that. Okay. Right. So it wasn't widespread. Okay, so we, so you tracking that to 1979, and yeah, then- at least probably before before that, but like some of the gangsters and some you know some, you know misogynistic people would call it uh, you know asshole house music and right, stuff, right, right? Right, right? You know, or or maybe even 
some of the chosen few in Farley use the, oh, that's that old house music, right? But in, anyway, right, right, right. you know, that as right. a derogatory term. Okay, all uh, right. So y'all heard the first right here from Marcia, uh, y'all. But that's, as far as this widespread use, yes. it didn't it didn't become widespread until probably eighty three or eighty four. Okay, right. That's when Leonard remixed Roy started calling it house music. Okay, right. Okay. Now Leonard, I suspect, called it house music because he was playing it at home. Or something like that. Right. Right. I'm playing house music, right? But everybody else interpreted it as music that was playing at the warehouse. Correct. Okay. So that's that's where they, those cross converge, at each, those right? Cross at each other. Okay. Well, we got some knowledge of that, and we're we going to get into that deeper. We need to get that, a Leonard on here. Oh, I, I'm, I, I got Leonard coming up pretty soon, man. Don't worry. Okay. All right. So before the records, how and when were you introduced to house culture, Marshall? I was introduced to house culture uh, at the music box on Indiana. This girl named Veronica Montgomery uh, uh, took me there. Okay. You know, because she dressed different from the other postal workers. You know, she sometimes she'd have pink hair or something right, like that. Right. But she had body by B.A.D., right? So I <laughs> said, where are you going partying like that? She said, right. the, uh, the music box, right? So I said, all right, can I go, go with you? And she said, yeah, right. right. And, uh, you know, I just followed the body. Right. <laughs> now, this was before you was doing any music too, correct? Uh, no, I was already DJing okay. at that time. But I had more like Hot hot Mix 5 style of playing, right? Oh, okay. And that all went out the window when I went to the music box. And what year was this, Marsha? I'd say 1984 to be sure. Okay. All right. Right. 1984. Right. Uh, early, very early. Right. And this when you was you was working at the post office still. I was working at the right. post office. And then you was you just said you wanted to go out to this music box. Right. With, okay. With uh, Veronica Montgomery, we called her Lynn Montgomery. Lynn Montgomery. Right. And during that time, what DJs were you really influenced the most by? At that time, yes, Kenny Jam and Jason. Kenny Jam and Jason, okay, right. Then Farley, Jack Masterphone, when they uh, finally allowed him to start scratching on air, right. Man, Farley was a bad beast, huh? man. Man, Farley was ridiculous, man. Right. Right. I said, oh my god, when they let him scratch on there and he right. started repeating, Farley, 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 Farley. I said, oh man, that's that's the man right there, Farley, Farley, Farley. But I like all the hot mix five, man. I like Ralphie, I like I like Mickey Mixon Oliver, and, right. you know Scott Smoker Sills, and, you know I liked all of. But it that was the greatest mix show I've ever heard on the radio, Absolutely. man. I must Nobody, yeah comes even close right. because they would they would mix 40 songs per per hour right and they would backspin and repeat every single song yeah. Yeah, <laughs> you yeah, know yeah. it was ridiculous man so let me ask you 40 this. songs an hour do you think the hot mix five was more influential on house than frankie knuckles than frankie knuckles Yes. Uh, they sold more records than Frankie. Okay. Frankie fans didn't buy records 
Okay. They listened to tapes of Jamie Principal. Gotcha. Okay. <laughs> you know. Now, did you but, have you ever experienced the warehouse? The warehouse. Yeah. Uh, see, that's the thing. My, uh, uh, I was talking to a friend of mine a, a while ago, Bernard Househead Howard. He said he took me to the warehouse. I don't remember going to the warehouse, so I'm gonna deny it. Okay. Because okay. I don't want any wishtery going on. Right? <laughs> that's your word, wishtery, right? Wishtery. Oh, everybody that's, pay attention to wishtery. Wishtery is what you wish would have happened. Okay. I wish I would have went to the warehouse, right. but I don't remember it. Okay. okay, okay. So you often talk about bringing your music to Ron Hardy at the Music Box. Yes. Can you describe that atmosphere and how Ronnie was so accessible? <laughs> he was so accessible. My first, uh, when, I, when I gave him my first uh, tape, I just, uh, it was a reel-to-reel of I've Lost Control and Under You. I gave it to him. Right. He didn't play it that night. And, uh, you know, my hours at the post office were midnight to 8.30 a.m. So that that canceled out music box hours for me. Yeah. So I didn't go back for another six months at least. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's, you know, my, my shift changed. My days off changed would rotate. And finally, like six months later, I finally got to go back. But Sleazy, right. uh, Sleazy went religiously to the music box. Okay. And, and uh, he said, man, Ron, Ron Hardy played the stuff. He played the cuts, man. I right. said, he did, he did. He said, right, so I kept making other cuts okay. and giving the tapes. To, I gave the cuts to Sleazy. Right. Right. Sleazy would give, give them to Hardy. And he said, man, Ron Hardy played that too. Ron Hardy played oh, that too. Right. So it. Uh, it had gotten up to like seven cuts, and uh, and I, I and I got there. You know, I went with Sleazy, right. and you know he got to the front door. Everybody, Sleazy, Sleazy, you know, walk, walk Sleazy, walk right in. I try to walk in. Right. <laughs> sleazy said he's with me, <laughs> right? So, so got in the music box. Uh, man. Ron Hardy, he played all my, he played all my songs. Oh wow, that's that's great, you that's know. Good. And they were stampeding the floor when I've lost control came on, right? Ah, they really? was yelling. Every they came on, everybody's ah, you know. So was, Ronnie played that record first. You gave that to Ronnie first. Yeah, I gave it to Ron, uh, Ron Hardy first. Okay. Now speaking of I lost control, yeah, you did that with the Roland TB three hundred three. Yeah, I did it with machine, I, but. Ron Hardy actually played uh, the drum version, the okay. drums only version. Okay. Right? He played the TB303 version once in a while, right. but everybody recognizes the drum machine yeah. version, the yeah. drums only version. Right, right. Right? No, uh, no, you know. He, he didn't play the TV 303 version okay. that much. But, TV 303 version got popular later. Okay, but let's stay there. You used the Roland TB3 baseline. Right. That was way before Future and Acid Tracks, correct? <laughs> uh, it was, I don't, I don't want to say way before. Right. About three years before. Three years before, okay. Yeah. So in all actuality, we can say you started Acid House. No. Okay. <laughs> That's wishtery. That wishtery, okay. Right? Now, i I tell you why. Because when I've Lost Control came out, nobody went and went out and bought a TB303. It cost, 
it only cost me 150 bucks. Okay. Right. And they couldn't give them away. Right. Right. It was a toy and stuff. Right. right. When acid tracks came out, bam, bam, offered me a thousand dollars for my TV 303. Mm-hmm. You went to make on all those Westbrook records right. with it. Right. So, and it started a whole movement, acid house, acid house. Right. I, I came back to England six months after it came out. You know, first time I went to England, everybody was in suits and in the clubs and stuff, right? right. I get, came back six months later, people were wearing smiley T-shirts going, acid, acid, right? So acid tracks started the whole movement. Right. Right? And and uh, like I said, everybody went, uh, but the TB303 went up in value for, from sure. $150 to over a thousand and over two thousand, now over three thousand and four thousand for yeah. a TB three hundred three. Yeah, and uh, you know that that was the whole that was a whole movement right there yeah. when acid tracks came out. So, you know, when I when I did, I've lost control. Right. I wasn't really conscious okay. of acid house or anything right. like that. I was just making a cut with sleazy, right. right? So, so yo, we can just say DJ Pierre and Future was, yeah. Coined the term of that DJ Pierre and and Spanky and Herb. Okay, all right. right, cool. So, Marshall, you're known for bringing musicality early to house. What was your musical background? Uh, listening to rock and roll and DJing. Really? Yeah. So, so what made you get to DJing at an early age like that? DJing at early? No, I didn't DJ at early. I didn't DJ until I was in my twenties and working at the post office. I had a good job. I was able to buy the top top notch equipment and everything. I was jamming in my basement, man. Nobody heard me. Right. Nobody heard me. But in in, in my last interview with Curtis McLean, Curtis was DJing before you. Uh, yeah, he. Was, I believe Kurt was DJing. Before. Okay. Matter of fact. Kurt taught me all the Hot Mix 5's uh, tricks that they were doing. Really? Yeah, because I didn't know any, any of them. Yeah. Right? I, but I was already DJing when I met him. Okay. Right? And uh, uh, he taught me all the Hot Mix 5 tricks and right. stuff. You know. Okay. Now, I would like to say, like wishery <laughs> and say, yeah, I was always a DJ from when I was five years old. And all right. You know, but right now I started DJing in my twenties at the post office. All, bought all the best equipment, okay. man. You know, and and uh, and uh, yeah, we we were work, working at the post office, man. Yeah. Me and Kurt, we had reel to reels, we had decks, we had great mixers and stuff in the know. post office. Not in oh, the okay, post okay, office okay, at okay, home. Okay. We were making bank, man. Yeah, yeah, we were yeah. making money, and and uh, uh, I was spending two hundred dollars a week on records. You know, I'll go right. to imports, etc., and and loop, and uh, uh, and Chippy sold me records a, a couple of times. Okay, but most of the times I would trust my uh, I would my trusted people to buy records. From were Frank Sells right. and Tony Mandaka at Imports. Yeah, yeah, at Imports and Jesse Jones over at Loop. Oh yeah, uh, Jesse. Right. Jesse was a man. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So what what led you to <clears throat> making your own music, Marshall? Jesse Saunders. Really, Jesse Saunders. I would not have made a single record without Jesse Saunders. Okay, and and Vince Lawrence. Now, uh. 
it was the furthest thing from my mind making my own music. I was happy DJing and, you know, I do like my girlfriend's parties or something something like that, but I didn't get out the house much. Right, right. Uh, I mean, uh, and, and, you know, plus work hours weren't compatible with party hours and right. stuff, right? It was a trade-off. I was able to get all the best equipment, but I couldn't play anywhere. You know, I didn't have time to promote. And the one, t- the couple of times I did try to promote my own party, Gucci and <laughs> Punk House, uh, they would tear down my posters, posters. right? Oh, and wow. nobody would show up except one time Mark Aguirre showed up. Really? But Yeah, Mark Aguirre showed up. I'm going to bring back a whole bunch of people. I said, all right. Oh, he didn't come back, though. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, what happened was I was shopping at Loop Records. Okay. And I saw Jesse Saunders had put out a record on and on. And he said, hot, hot, hot. Jesse had put hot, hot, hot on there, right? right? I said, oh, let me, let me get and see what Jesse had made, right? So bought the record, took it home, and that's it? <laughs> right? So I said, shit, I could probably do better than this, right? right? So while I'm thinking about uh, how I'm going to make a record and right. stuff, right, uh, a friend of mine, he was a guitar player, uh, Phil Lambert, right? He wanted to uh, ride to Guitar Center. Right. So I said, okay, I'll take you to Guitar Center. Right. right. I went to Guitar Center. They were selling this uh, thing called a Yamaha QX1. Okay. Right. So, so I said, wait a minute, you know, because uh, I had gone down to uh, Tracks Records, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, I had spoken with Vince Lawrence, and Vince had told me about the QX1. Okay. So I, so that's in the back of my mind. So, right. so dude said, yeah, you can play keyboards like Stevie Wonder, even if you don't know how to play at all. <laughs> right? He sold you automatically right there, huh? Right? Right. So long story short, uh, I got a credit line together. Then uh, I, I got on the house, Okay. right, to co-sign for some more equipment. So I bought the bought the QX one. Right. Bought some bought some keyboards or uh Roland JX eight P, a Korg, um oh, I forgot the name of the Korg. Uh a Korg uh EX eight hundred yeah. module. Okay. And there was this thing a TV three oh three they couldn't give them away. Say, yeah, you could Get get this man. You can do your own bass lines. I said, right. Yeah, that's what I want to do. Bass lines, right? So, <laughs> so I bought that, right? So, right. So, uh, also I got a, a Porta ones, okay. a, a, a Tascam Porta one. Yep. And uh, say, yeah, you need a mixer too. So, I say, I got a mixer already. I'm a DJ man. I got a DJ mixer. No, you say you need a recording mixer. You know, right. so I got this Boss eight channel mixer. I say eight channels. Right. I say yeah, you can eight, hear eight things at the same time. I say yeah, that's what I want. I want. <laughs> I want to. I want to play eight things at the right. same time. Right. 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 And, and so, so I, so I got all this stuff. Took it home, and uh, you know, my friends came over and talked about me for. Like about five hours. Stupid sucker bought all this stuff. Right. Don't even know how to play nothing. You right, know how right. black people, when they get the cigarette, you feel like about <laughs> an inch tall, man, right. when they get through it. But you know, you old when you said that cigarette on you. Oh, man. <laughs> man. Oh, but 
but I wrote my first song two days later. Okay, and what was that? I believe that was Under You. Okay. Right? Uh, it was originally called The Pleasure Exchange, so. Okay. Right, but so, but, and then, right, uh, like my first, my first 10 songs, I played all the instruments myself, you know, right. all the parts myself, and I, I was off. Right. I was off, man. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, <clears throat> I wouldn't have had the confidence to do that uh, uh, if it wasn't for J uh, Jesse and Vince putting out that song. Because mm. they put out an actual record. record. People don't realize how big that it was. You know, right. people talk about the culture. Uh, bullshit. I mean, you know, we had culture. We had stepping culture. Right. But stepping didn't leave the... Uh, stepping music didn't leave the city. People don't know what stepping music to this day is. And right. you know why? Because there was no stepping records. Right. No stepping records. Right, right. House music, we had a, we had house records, and that's why it left the city. That's why I got started. That's why Farley got started. That's why Chip got started. That's right. why Joe got st started. That's why Steve Seal Hurley got started making music. All of us. Yes. None of us would have made a single record right. if it wasn't for on and on. Absolutely. Okay. And, and you right. know, now that's not wishtery. No, that's fact. That's facts. Yeah. You know? So what and was your first release and what label did it come out on? My first release was Virgo Go Wild Rhythm Tracks. Mm. And that was on my own label, Other Side Records, OS1. Oh, really? Now, who was right. that distributed by? It was distributed by uh, Larry Sherman. Ah. Right? Ah, the trickery comes into, into play. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And uh, I didn't, I didn't get any money for that. Oh wow! And they're still selling it. Mm, really? Yeah, really. <laughs> <clears throat> Who has the rights to it? I have the rights to it. I mean, right. I, I, I think I have the rights to it. I didn't sign any contract for it or anything like that. And uh, so, you know, so Tracks Rex is still putting a record out. They're still putting a record out. Mm. They're still like claiming it. See? After all these years, huh? Yeah. So, Marshall, you known worldwide for making the house music anthem "Move Your Body." Was that your biggest record to date? Under my name, yes. Okay. And how did that come about? Um. <clears throat> okay. I heard the song in my head. Okay. At while I was working at the post office, you know, because we. You know, I'm working all night. So, right. so I tell I tell the fellas, I say, I say, hey, man, I got a cut and stuff, man. I, you know, that because we would, you know, we on the house, we would do cuts all the time, right? Right, right. We, we were, like, used to it by then. We had done, we'd done some nice stuff, right? Yeah. Uh, so I said, hey, man, I got a cut, right? So I went home. I laid I laid the uh, keyboard okay. parts of the basic, dun, 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 and right. bass, boom, 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 boom. And I did the... Uh, the drums, okay. right, and all uh, also the the string part, right? right? Laid all laid all that, and the way we did it back, the way we did it back in the day, okay. Push one button on the QX one and play back all the parts simultaneously, right? So it took like once you hook up the keyboards, it's taking less than fifteen minutes to record the music, right? Right. So on the house met me at the studio, okay. Now, who was on the house at the time? 
on the house was me, Thomas Carr, Rudy Forbes, okay. and Curtis McLean. Okay. Kurt was the lead singer because he was singing at the post office all the time. Right. right. So he was designated the lead singer. All dudes are singing, right? So, okay. So got there. Uh, first, first thing I wanted to do was uh, Rudy Forbes, keyboard player. Rudy played the piano solo. Okay, in the beginning. In the beginning. Okay. Right. The the intro right. piano solo. Okay. Um, once we once we did that, then uh, Kurt uh, Kurt had to sing the lead. Okay. Right. So uh, he had a slight problem with because uh, I thought that was a. Biggest part of the song, the gotta have house. Right. Gotta have house music, right? He, right. he was like singing it on the wrong beat and stuff. Okay. So so I said, no, nah, dude, gotta have house, right? Because I, I, when it came in, I wanted it to burst. Right. right. You know, so, but, but he, he knocked it out, yeah. right? So, uh, uh, Kurt, Kurt did his thing. Uh, we got in there and we did the backgrounds. Okay. Uh, me and on the house and Kurt was in the back on, on the backgrounds too. Okay. So, you know, we finished, we finished the cut. He said, don't let nobody hear it. They, they were telling me, don't let nobody hear it. Right. Right. I'm thinking this is hottest shit I ever heard in my life. <laughs> right. I'm gonna let everybody hear right. this joy. Right. Right. So they said, man, don't let nobody, it ain't finished yet. I, oh man, I'm gonna let, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give this straight to Rod Hardy at the music bar. Right, right. No, 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 no. So, no, you know, I got the tape. He's yeah. gonna hear it. Yeah. Right? So, uh, we finished in the afternoon. Still hadn't been to sleep yet. And I said, "Well, you know, I'm gonna make a pit stop. I'm gonna stop at the Sheba first, right? Because okay. that's where uh, uh, Mike Dunn, right, Hugo Hutchison, right. and Tyree Cooper." were literally living in the club. Right. Right. So I knew they were all always there. Yeah, right. Right. So I went to went to them, played the cut on that system. Man, it's just banging, right? Yeah. And and they they weren't too excited about it. I guess, you know, you know, because they were like used to me and yeah. you know, used you say, yeah, this is all right, it's all right, it's all right, <laughs> right. So, but they got it before Ron Hardy. Okay. Right. And and uh, then I took it down to the music box. I believe uh, Joe Spoo and, and Kay Alexi were there. Okay. And some uh, some of my other friends, and I played it on my car sound system. Right. And they weren't too excited about it either. You know, yeah. was, was, that's all right. That's all right. right? So, I said, well, what's up? I thought this was the cut of cuts. Right. <laughs> right? right. I mean, I was I was thinking, oh. I'm, this is going to be a hall, house music hall of fame, and right. I'm going to be the very first inductee. Right, right. They just they just blowing you down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I gave it to Ron Hardy. Right. So Ron Hardy puts on the tape. Right, right. <laughs> you you listen to it at yeah. the, the headphones, right? So he plays it six times in a row that night. That night, right there. Wow. And they are going crazy by like the third time he plays it. Right. Okay. And, and uh, it just blew up from there. Right. And, uh, yeah. Now, how did that come about? Now, you know what? Let's backtrack. I have one question <laughs> to say. 
when the beginning of that record starts, yeah, it always feels like it's 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 speeding up a little bit, like you know, at the beginning. No, that's the keyboard playing. That's Rudy's keyboard. That's it's out of time. Okay, that's yeah. what I wanted to find out. Yeah. yeah, but it's funky though. But it, you know, he he, yeah, yeah. he didn't play it in time. Yeah, right, he, right. You know, he was yeah, man. You know, he he's playing keyboards at, at one twenty, and he's playing some difficult stuff, yeah, man. Yeah, he's, yeah. He's, he's it's all so feeling. That's man. why it feels like that. Yeah, ah, okay. I mean the drum machine ain't off. That's like yeah, that's one twenty two. Boom, yeah. boom, boom. Right. right. Okay. But you know, just was still look. Yeah. So there people are, sampled the hell out of oh, that they piano said, yeah, solo they, too. Yeah, absolutely they did. So yeah, look, he jammed on that. Okay, so there are several versions of Move Your Body. People include, sampled the hell out of Curtis McLean too. He jammed too. Right? Oh yeah. Well, we we know who sampled some of Curtis stuff too. And yeah. So we, we're not gonna go into that though. But. <laughs> But Marshall, there are several versions of Move Your Body, including the original vocal and the DJ and the national version. Tell us about how different are they, you know, between the version between both of them. Oh, man. <laughs> okay, here's what happened. Okay. Ron Hardy wanted an exclusive uh, Move Your Body. Like, he wanted exclusive all, all my stuff, so right. I didn't give none of my stuff to Frankie Knuckles. None of it. Right? Sleazy, however, <laughs> didn't make such an agreement. Right. Now, he Sleazy was king of the music box, right? Okay. okay. He wanted to get in the power plant free with Frankie Knuckles, right? right? He wanted right. to get in the power plant for, for free, too. Right. So he took a copy to Frankie Knuckles and gave Frankie Knuckles a copy. Oh. That's how Frankie started playing it. Ah. Okay. Right? So then... Frankie Knuckles' best friend from New York was Larry LeVan. Okay. Frankie sent a copy to Larry LeVan. Mm -hmm. And back then, people would fly in right. to hear what Larry LeVan was playing. Right. Because you, they knew it was going to be a hit, right? Correct. Distributors, all that stuff, right? So right. Larry LeVan started playing it. Everybody knew about the cut, right? Okay. Somehow, Alfredo... I've carefully tracked the trajectory of this, right? Okay. Alfredo from Ibiza got a copy of it. Okay. And he started playing it in Ibiza. Okay. Right? Some other DJs in the UK got copies. I don't know specifically which ones. Right. But uh, they, they started playing it in the UK. This is all at the same time. Around the same time frame, okay. right? So the next thing I know, I got people calling me from from the UK, right? Asking mm -hmm. me about house music. Say, I, I I thought it was my friends, like you know, who the hell is this, right? You know, because right, right. they were talking with British accents, yeah. right? I said, oh man, I don't, you know, you get the fuck, right? But they turned out to really be British, right? right? So I said, who, who the fuck, you know, and. And uh, people like uh, this guy, Jazzy M, he played on this pirate uh, station in okay. London called LWR. Right. Right? So, man, I would speak to him on the phone for like three, four hours. Okay. Long distance from London on his dime. Wow. Right? So, I said, oh, man, I got to do something for this brother right here. You yeah. know, he was really interested. Right? Yeah, so yeah. I was, 
sent him some house music, uh, some unreleased house music. Okay. On cassette. You know I had to send him Jamie Principal. Right. Jamie stuff. Uh, Steve Hurley's stuff, okay. you know, because you know Steve was jamming back in the right. day. Like, like music is the key before the vocals got on it. Yeah, the original, original, yes. Yeah, I I can't turn around, right, with no vocals on it, but stuff like that, you know, stuff like the Larry Heard stuff, you yeah. know, all the you're right. And I I would I would send that to him, right. right? So, uh. DJ International uh, got a bunch of re- British reporters okay. over at the same, there like 10 of them, man, from Melody, from Melody Maker, The Face, all the biggest magazines in, in, Eng- in the UK, flew over to the States to investigate house music. Right. Right? They were interviewing me and Chip and Farley and all of us, man. Okay. Right? So, uh, Rocky, found out how hot move your body was and he wanted it for DJ international. Right. Right. So when we recorded the DJ international version, we had a studio full of reporters. Okay. Right. And they, they were, you know, they were taking photos of us while we were doing it and stuff. And, and of course the, that version of move your body doesn't, doesn't really have any backgrounds on it. Oh, wow. Cause everybody started soloing. <laughs> it was sloppy as hell, man. Right. <laughs> you know, move. Rudy was going move your body, right? right. And I was going da 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 da. You know, and, and, and you know, nobody was just saying move your body, move right. your body. I said, oh man, this is a mess right here. <laughs> so that's what. That's the version that came out on DJ International. It was really sloppy. And uh, you know, Kurt Kurt was the only one that kind of stayed stayed in pocket, right? right? Uh, with the with the lead vocal, yeah. And uh, so, so I never knew the, that that was released though. I, the the DJ International, yeah. Oh, hell yeah, was released. Wow. Yeah, that, there's a separate version, uh, uh, that that was released on DJ International. Sloppy as hell, mm. but it it came out. But man, yeah, it's slightly, it's 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 different. Uh. Uh, some of the instruments I did a lot more stack on dun 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 okay, you know gotcha. dun 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 I even like I like dun 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 right so like yeah it's uh it's, but man okay. the backgrounds are loose on that version man I mean real loose right. so, Re- so, recorded that at Paragon okay Paragon removing that yeah. studio so th- there's there's rumor that back in the day new music seminar in New York. Yeah. That you went out there with a t-shirt, said move your body. Yeah, Marshall Jefferson move, move your, your body. body. And just promoting the hell out of it. Uh I was really promoting the hell out of myself. Okay. No, I wasn't promoting the cut. <laughs> 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 Again, wishery. Oh, I was right. promoting house music. Right, right. No, so I was promoting yourself. I was promoting me. Okay. You know. Okay. Well, that's the I had right Marshall there. Jefferson move, move your body T-shirt on, right. and everybody stopped me, man. Everybody, wow. oh, yeah, you did, Marshall. Move your right. body. Yeah. So I, I got a a, a lot of meetings and okay. stuff from that. Yeah. So, what was the second follow up to move your body? The follow up to move your body. I had a couple. I had pleasure control, which came out on Bright Star. I had ride the rhythm, which came out on tracks. Okay. Uh, you know, and then I uh, I I did the jungle with Jungle Ones, and right. I did uh, 
you know, and I later did Time Marches On. And, okay. Yeah. So you had a slew. So I believe on my last interview with Curtis McLean, he said pleasure, pleasure principle was bigger than... Pleasure control. I'm sorry. Pleasure control was bigger than Move Your Body out in the UK. Wish to read. Okay. Get real. <laughs> <laughs> That's a house music anthem. You you hear of pleasure control today? Right. Nah. Okay. So nah. did you name that the house music anthem? Yes. You did. Yeah. You put that in there specifically. Yeah, because too many people were telling me it wasn't house music because of the piano. Really? <laughs> yeah. Who said that? Oh, a few people, man. Uh, uh, most notably Larry Sherman. And oh stuff. yeah, but I don't think he knew about music, man. Well, so you know, you know so, so uh, <laughs> you know, so that was kind of a jab at them. Right. Okay. So. But after that, uh, people started calling big records anthems. Yeah. They weren't calling big records anthems before the house music anthem. Okay, and that's not wishery. That's not wishery. <laughs> okay, okay. So it that just the title on that song had an impact, right, on dance music. Okay, so in a very short time, you went from Move Your Body to a major label project with Ten City. Can you talk about how Ten City was formed and how you were able to get it signed by a major so fast? <laughs> okay, I started working with Byron, and and Byron Burke. Okay. And uh, <clears throat> that uh, the, they decided uh, the group name was going to be Ragtime. Right. Right. So uh, I met Byron down at Tracks Records. I I'd heard Funny Love. Okay. I thought it sucked, but I thought those were the coldest lyrics I, <laughs> I right. ever heard. Right. 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 Everybody's laughing at me, but there's nothing funny when your heart is broken, right? Yeah. I still remember the words. That's yeah, how. That's deep. That's right how. There. That's how heavy it was, right? Right. I said, "Oh man, you're the coldest," <laughs> right, <laughs> right? right? So, so, uh, you know, I started working with Byron. Okay. Right. So I. So. I. Uh, it just came together very natural, man. You know, very organic, and we we just started doing cuts together. Now I can't stay away. You know, I thought you know, Byron's a big man. You know, you yeah. know, big dude, right? <laughs> right. Uh, seems like he should have some some more power than he's showing because yeah. he was sound, sound, You know, he was he wasn't singing diaphragm at that time, right. right? At least I hadn't heard him sing it. Yeah, diaphragm. So on I Can't Stay Away, uh, you know, he 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 sang a note and okay. it was high. Right. I found its power. A falsetto. You know. Maybe he knew he had it all along because yeah. Byron was like very laid back dude. You know, he right. don't, you know, he don't Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. He don't assert himself a lot yeah. of times, right? Well, it's it's quite the opposite now. He he's uh more way more aggressive than me, and I don't assert myself a lot. Right, but like right, back right. then, he didn't assert. I said, "Man, sing that note again. Hit that note again." Beat it. Right. Oh, damn! <laughs> right, and, oh, power, man. Yeah. Was, damn. Right, and and so we did it in a small studio, Lido's studio. Okay. And uh, so, oh man, we got to do a bigger. Got to do a. I'm going to take this to a 24-track studio. So okay. we went to a 24-track studio. We got Lil Lewis and uh, Ron Hardy and uh, and uh, Frankie Knuckles to do mixes on it. Right. 
right? And uh, Frankie was there, man, and you know he's just sit, he's just sitting around and stuff. He heard Byron hit that high note. He, <laughs> uh, you cause you know Frankie he don't show emotion like right, that right, right. So exactly Frank Frank would, <laughs> you know when he when Byron hit that note man is so so uh, I said man people got to hear this note right yeah. and that's why we took him on tour that's why I brought him on tour with okay. us but uh, so uh, I can't stay away it's out it's doing okay you know dude right? so uh, we we take uh uh, Byron and Byron on the road with it. They did I Can't Stay Away and a song called The Rain Dance. Okay. Byron Burke would do do the rain dance, right? right? So <laughs> uh, after we had nine shows that weekend okay. in two days. After that, Byron said, hey man, uh, you know, why don't we stay like about a week and uh, meet with the, some major labels? Right. You know, I don't know major label that's not even you know that's not in my reality right, right? right you right. know I don't, major labels you know that's what michael jackson's on right? yeah. i'm not even thinking about that right so so we stay byron's like busy calling up the majors and coordinating coordinating meetings with Dwayne powell right and and you know uh next thing you know we got meetings man and the very first meeting we had Okay. Was with this guy called Scott Folks. Okay. Man, went in there and uh Scott was sleeping on the floor. Okay. And uh I said, Oh man, you slept here last night? He said, Yeah, this is my home, right? I thought he was joke joking, so I laughed at him, right? Right, right, right. Big mistake, man. <laughs> he actually did live in the at in in the office at Capitol Records. Really, he lived in his office. You know how sky high rent in oh, New yeah. York City Absolutely. is. Absolutely. So, so uh, we go there. We got no music, no mm. photos, no press. Mm. <laughs> he let us have him. He said, "You unprofessional motherfuckers, come up here, waste my time, <laughs> man." <laughs> <laughs> man, man, he he laid into us for like an hour, man. Me and Byron sitting there, we were sweating bullets like right. like a three digit fever, man. We were oh man, we was, yeah. we were scared as hell. I was like, I don't want to meet with no more major labels, man. Right. <laughs> so 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 uh oh man, you know, Byron said, man, it'll, it'll be better than this. I'm, Man, I don't know, man. I'm, right. We had a meeting the next day with Merlin Bob from Atlantic Records. Yeah. Right. Merlin said, I take whatever you got. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> everything. He said, You got something on release? I take that too. Right. You know, I take everything, you know. Yeah. So, uh, uh, Byron walked out of that office. He had a choice between a solo artist deal or a group. Right. Well, he, group wasn't even on the table, you know, but. I said, well, you know, I got a song with this guy, C.C. Rogers. I got a song with this girl, Kim Mazelle, you know. Right. And I, was, you know, I take all of it, right? So uh, Kim signed with EMI. Okay. C.C. signed with Atlantic. Right. Uh, they wanted Paris Brightledge for MCA to replace uh, Colonel Abrams because oh, wow. Colonel Abrams had some problems. Okay. And uh, 
you know, everybody wanted Kurt. Right. Everybody right, wanted right, right. Kurt. You know, the guy that sang movie about it. Everybody. Yeah. Right? So, <clears throat> um, we get back and, uh, you know, we just saw, hey, we, we got to come up with a cut for Atlantic so, you know, you could get the deal. Right. Right. So we just happen to go go out on a double date with these two girls, Gigi and Cynthia. <laughs> okay. You know. <laughs> I got lucky, but he didn't. You know, oh, I was wow. more famous at that time, right? Okay. So <clears throat> we were in the car. <clears throat> Byron decided to pull out his ace car because Cynthia wasn't giving him no rhythm. Right. So, so Byron started singing, right? And that's how we came up with devotion. I said, oh, man, you jamming, B. You jamming, right? Right. So I came, I, I went home. Okay. Came up with some music, put it under uh, the under Devotion, gave it, a, gave it a bar and said, what's that? I said, that song we wrote last night, was, right? So, right. Uh, so he said, oh, all right. And, uh, you know, that was that was Devotion. Wow. So they wanted to sign it. Uh -huh. And I said, uh, he said, uh, I don't want to be a solo artist. I said, huh? I said, no, I, I always wanted to be in a group, man. I want to, uh, you know. Right. I always wanted to be in a group. And I said, well, who you want for the group? He said, I, I, I'm going to get Guitar Herb and Byron. Okay. He said, so we're going to split the money four ways now instead of two? <laughs> <laughs> he said, yeah. I said, Damn. Right. Oh man. man Byron. Right. Yeah, so that's how that's how that came about. That's how but it came about. Byron attended all the meetings with me. Yeah. So he could have signed with anybody. Correct. Anybody he could have signed with. Right? right. And they hadn't even heard they hadn't even heard him sing yet. Wow. And they just signed I know, and man, maybe if they would have heard how he sang, yeah. he would have gotten a bigger deal. Wow. But so you guys went with Atlantic at that time? Went with Atlantic because Merlin was on the radio. He okay. loved our stuff. And, and, uh, you know. But uh, Now let me ask you this. Byron, man, he went, when, when Merlin heard his voice, yeah. man, this is over. So. Now on Devotion, Frankie Knuckles did a remix of that too. Frankie Knuckles did a remix. It never got put out. It then. never got put out. Okay. See, I, they put I get out that. the Bam Bam mix instead. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because I, I remember that when that record came out, uh, Frankie was spinning in the suburbs at that time. Yeah, and um, he played that record. He was like, I just did this record. Yeah, and I never forget, man. That, that day, I didn't. I thought it was an old record. I thought, <laughs> I thought it was something where I actually, because <clears> I knew, <throat> I went up to the booth like, "What is this?" He's like, "This is Ten City from Chicago." He's like. If you go get a tape deck, I'll make a dub for you right now. Man, I left and went to go get it. My pitch deck, and I brought it back up there, man. You still got a copy of it? I still got a copy of it. Oh, you got to let me get a copy of that. The Frankie Knuckles Devotion Mix. Yeah. Oh. I still got a copy of it. Oh, you got to give me that, bro. Of course I will. For a few more interviews. See, I got these tidbits laying all over the place. You know, this is. I gotta, I gotta get a copy. Now, Marshall, your your production were a lot more complex than typical house records at that time. Did you have any creative pushback when you wanted to do live instrumentation and the complex arrangements at that time? 
No, man, because nobody really knew what we were doing. You know, right. see, uh, I, it, for me, it was like a pushback against. I didn't want us to be stuck in a mode where we're doing just a four-four kick and jack, 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 jack. You know, rapid right. fire sampling, right? Yeah. So I revolted against that because I knew what house music was to me. Right. What is house music? You ask. Yes. House music is the best and coolest dance music. Okay. And it's anything that Ron Hardy or Frankie Knuckles would have played. For instance, Frankie wouldn't have played I'm Too Sexy. Frankie wouldn't have played the Macarena. Okay. It's not house. Right. Right? It's got all the elements of house, but it's not house, is it? No, it's not. Right? You know house music when you hear it. It's anything that Frankie Knuckles would have played or Ron Hardy would have played. That's my format. That's always been my format. So that's how I tried to expand the genre. It's like Bruce Lee's Jeet Kune Do, right? Yeah. It's a martial arts style without a style. Right. That way you could go versatile with it. You know, it don't have to have a Fender Rhodes on it. Right. It don't have to have a piano on it. It could have anything on it, right? And that get that would give us flexibility. Okay. But see, my problem was. Every time I got a little bit of money, I'm done making it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm an I'm the classic underachiever, right? right. I, you know, so I I make a clump of, of cuts, right? Right. Get a lot of money, and I say, oh man, I'm done. Okay, I, right, you going back I, to I'm the video partying, games? Huh? <laughs> yeah, video games and partying and stuff, man. And you know, right. it's and and uh, you know that that was that, yeah. right? So. I get a little bit of money. I quit for a year or two, or, you know, get a little bit more money. I quit for four years and, you know, I get a little bit more money. I quit for six years and, and that's been that's my mantra, good, right? That's yeah, that's good. not good. I know it, man. But like, uh, you know. So how was your overall experience with at Atlantic? Well, I thought it was good, man. You know, personally, I mean, I, you know, I, yeah, I got some big records out out of right. Atlantic. It, you know, I was I'm happy with that. Yeah. You know. So it's rumored that you have been outspoken about remixing. One of your major successes was the part <laughs> due of Steve Zuckerly remix. How do you feel about the remix at that time? Um. Uh, this this is my gripe, right? Okay. Uh. I turned down a lot of remixes. Right. Because I felt, well, they were getting the sound for cheap. Yeah. Motown didn't do any remixes. Philadelphia didn't do any re remixes. Right. If you wanted the Motown sound, you had to go to Motown. If you yeah. wanted the Philadelphia sound, you had to go to Philadelphia. Right. right. I wanted that for Chicago. Now, remixes, I thought that they were getting a song for cheap, Yeah, which meant uh, eventually they wouldn't respect it, you know. Preach. So I, 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 uh, I, they were offering a lot of money for remixes yes, back yes, then yes, too. Yes, they were, and I like they money, were. you know, as much as everybody. Right? <laughs> but see, um, when artists would come to me, yeah, and say we want a remix, I turn them down. Say, uh, 
I'm I'm writing and producing you or no deal. Nice. Right? Yeah. That's that was it. You know, it weren't, you know, and uh uh and if they was dead set on remix, I said, Well, you gotta get Steve Hurley out of Chicago, dude, because man, Steve was like the most pro- professional, efficient mug I ever met in right. my life. Absolutely. Man. You need a remix by Friday, Steve would have it done by Thursday. Yeah. Yeah. You know, professional, man. Yeah. One time <laughs> one time Steve did a uh uh show tape for me, right? Yeah. He it was Move Your Body, Ride the Rhythm and Pleasure Control. Right. He did a show show mix for us. Okay. In a little over an hour. Right. Right. So that was with Phil and Frank. Yeah. We left Phil and Frank and tried to recreate those edits Steve did. Couldn't do it. <laughs> 15 hours later. <laughs> 15 hours later. Right. Wasn't even close. Right. 15 hours of editing. Is, and I made the cut. Right, 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 right. Steve did those edits. He snip, snip, snip. That's when he was actually cutting. Yeah, cutting, cutting tape, right? It was no computer editing. He was splicing the tape, man. Yep. He was amazing, man. Yeah. Amazing, amazing, brother, man. Right. That's good. But you know what? That's that. That's great that you say that because they don't respect remixes, you know. And uh, you, you're right about what you said, though. I wanted everybody to get publishing. Sh- publishing checks man and right. it, but it, i just felt man it you know they weren't going to respect the the sound they weren't going to promote it yeah. on the radio and right. uh, you know it, unless we did songs yeah unless yeah. we wrote songs absolutely man. so that's that was a uh, that was my gripe against remixes no that's that's, that's not just that, do not that's just mind do. you i play remixes i like i love yeah, yeah. remixes but you know it killed us, bro. Yeah. It killed it killed yeah. our income. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I, because I, I eventually a little bit on there. When when they first uh uh started offering money for remixes like 20 grand, 25 grand, 50 grand. Oh yeah. You know? Oh yeah. Uh you know, and it's hard to turn yeah, it's, that down. It's hard down. to turn it down, man. I guess hard why I did to turn it, for it years, down, man. man. And, you know, you know. Oh. Yeah. You're a songwriter. Yes, sir. You're a songwriter. Yes. Right? It is. I mean, it's a shame, man. You, 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 I, I, I agree shame. with you on there, too. But, you know, like you said. You're a when, Grammy winner. Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Grammy winning songwriter. <laughs> <sighs> but, you know, when you got to feed We should have wrote there, songs, you know? man. Yeah, we absolutely. Should've. I mean, we still, we, we still doing that, but I see what you're saying, though, Marshall. Yeah. Absolutely. I understand <clears> everything that you're saying on there. No, nah, I could understand somebody else that can't write songs, yeah. but you can write songs. Right, right, right. right. So you know. And Hurley can write songs too. Absolutely. You know, Absolutely. Yeah. he he should have wrote some songs, man. Yeah, yeah, that's true and too, Professional brother. he is, man. Uh, it's all good. It's a shame. So I, let's get technical. Yeah. What are some of the signature gear that helps make the Marshall Jefferson sound? Let's go for our well, tech heads. Uh, Okay. Signature Marshall Jefferson sound. Rolling JX8P for the bass sound right. and the strings and, and the pads. Right. That beats that. Uh, any drum machine, really. Right. Uh, um, 
I guess only JSAP if you talk about signature, but like uh, like I used uh, Sterling Boy's ESQ one right. for it's all right, right, and uh, and uh, let me see. Uh, that was a huge record. Yeah, it was. It was. It was big over overseas. <laughs> Not many people know it in Chicago, though. But uh, yeah, um, drum machine is always negotiable. I could get. I could get over. You can with get any, over and use anything with that. Use anything, but uh, the MPCs are especially funky. Okay. And the SP, the SPs, the twelve hundred, the twelve hundreds. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Really, really, really funky drum machine. Okay, okay. And that swing on there, man. Oh yes. Outrageous. Yeah. Yeah. So Marshall, are... as one of the, the the genre's pioneers and visionaries, where do you see house music future? Um <laughs> uh, Okay. Here's the thing. Okay. Right? When I first came out, I was like about 500 dance records a week coming out. Right. Right? Uh, I got word earlier this year that there are 100,000 records a day coming out. Wow. Right? It was pretty bad 10 years ago. Right. But what that means is you got no more hits. Correct. None. People... Uh, DJs get bored with songs after a week. They won't yeah. play hits, yeah. right? More than once. And out of that gigantic pool of 100,000 songs, right. uh, got some jamming ass records in there that nobody's ever going to hear because no DJ on the planet can listen to 100,000 songs per day. Right. You know, he's not going to know everything. Right. Right. So that's, the that's the main obstacle you got. Yeah, is getting out of that gigantic pile of one hundred thousand songs a week, four hundred thousand, well, the one hundred thousand, seven hundred thousand songs a day, three right. million songs a month. Yeah, how are you gonna get out of that pile? Right, right. Now, uh, there's. You know, I got a couple of ideas that nobody ever, ever listens to. <laughs> okay. But uh, the first one is easy, but, you know, right. you got to come out on a major label and get promoted. But okay. the other than that, you have to have an image Okay. as an artist. Right. Because nobody's going to listen to your music. Nobody's going to know who to look. If you're not a known name on Track Source or Beatport yeah. or one of the one of the other sites, yeah, nobody will ever hear you because they they're gonna search for producers, okay, you know, or labels, right, and uh, and that's it, yeah, right. Some have produ producers and recognized producers and recognized labels, yeah. right. So they'll, they'll say, hey, I'm I'm uh, looking for some 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 of that smooth Maurice Joshua stuff, right, right, right. boom. You know, all the top producers and stuff. Uh, yeah. You know, but you have to make your own name. Yeah. Right? You need an image. You can't look like everybody else. Correct. Correct. You got to look strange. So everybody, who the 
<laughs> you know. Is that true, you, though? You, you got to look strange, Marshall? You got to. You can't look ordinary. Okay. Okay. No matter how talented you are. Right. If you don't, if you don't stick out of a crowd, right. nobody will ever, ever hear you because wow. there's 100,000 songs per day right. coming out. Right. And I don't, I haven't met a DJ yet that can listen to a hundred thousand songs a day. Not a day. No, come on now. You know? Yeah. So, y you know, people look for who they know. Right. Right. So you think the future looks grim for us, huh? The future looks grim, but uh, for house music, right? Because uh, we've run away from the kids. Yeah, yeah. If we would have stayed going after high schools, right? Because everybody had remember back in the day, all the high schools were into it. Yeah, you know, so you had the kids into it. Right. Now we're creaking, brother. Yeah, we up there. We we like seventy <laughs> years old. <laughs> We're, so we're you, like 70 years old up in there. Ugh. So these these young Ugh. kids, hip-hop kids that do up-tempo hip-hop, you don't consider that as house either? The up-tempo hip-hop? Yeah. Well, some of it some of it may be cool. You look, if Ron Hardy would have played it, right. or if Frankie Knuckles would have played it, it's house. I mean, it's, that's such that's vague. That's my. I, I know that's your opinion. That's my. Because I'm just saying they they play some records that would, yeah was out of the ordinary, but it's it's other DJs out there will will do that threshold and and do different type of music. Oh, you know. Okay. So let me ask you this: as hip hop celebrates its 50th anniversary and emerges between hip hop and house, do you ever think your records that you did like Hercules, Seven Ways to Jack? Uh, Sleazy D, you would you ever consider those like hip house records? No, the, the, that would it, be wishery. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm I'm just saying, wishery. I was you didn't no. call it like that, but hip you did rap on some stuff like that, or was just spoken. I didn't consider it rapping. I was okay. just talking. So it's talking. It's talking. Okay. Now I'd like to say I did the first hip house record. Right. That would be. Wish to read. <laughs> Understand? No. no. So, so that's not it, huh? That's not it. Wow. <laughs> come on, come on, Marshall. You gotta you gotta have something there, man. No. No, that I'll leave that to Tyree and Fast Eddie. You know, Fat Fast Eddie used to live two doors down from me. Right, right. Well, everybody used to live over here on 63rd and Artesian, man. So No, Fast Eddie lived next to me uh on when I was living on the west side. Okay. That's when the Sterling Void was living with me. Right. Fast Eddie lived two doors down. Lil Lewis used to come over all the yeah. time. Byron came over all the time. I was, a lot of people don't know I used to live on the west side. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I used to live on the west side. And that's, and, and uh, uh, Fast Eddie even sold me his trumpet. Really? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's wild. Yeah, yeah. So, so Marshall, check this out. Name one <clears throat> Chicago house record you wish you would have done based strictly on being creative, not sales wise, but a record that you heard that was from Chicago and you was like, man, I wish I would have made that record. Uh, if you say not sales wise, then yeah, man, that takes a big chunk out of it, brother. Well, I'm just saying, you, you know, we all not supposed to do this for the money. We, we all know we, we have to be creative. <laughs> 
but yeah. give me something at the time because you were you at making, the same time or no this could be uh, any, any, any record that you wish that could that comes out of Chicago mind. yeah that you heard and was like I wish I would made that record cause for me it'd be like I wish I would've made more your body simple fact It be between two records, Jamie Principal, Your Love, okay, and Joe Smooth, Promised Land. Ah, okay, okay, that's good. See, yeah, that's good. Yeah. So Chicago is known for its myth and beef, Marshall. What Chicago-based house beef or myth do you want to squash or correct, past or present? A beef, a beef, a myth. Yeah, a, a, yeah, myth. That a get myth. your name out there that you want to clear up. Uh, about a myth about me? Yes, something about you. I don't know, man. What myths are out there about me? <laughs> I just... Well, I'm, I'm, I'm okay. Let's let's go back. If if you saw the Curtis McLean episode, <laughs> oh shit! Oh, here you go. Okay. Uh. So I'm just saying, is there anything you want to clear up from what Curtis was saying? Uh oh. Well, beef. Uh, myth. Um, or misquote. However, you want to delegate it. It wasn't. It it wasn't so much a misquote or anything like that. It's just uh, a lot of wishery went on there. Okay, you know, a lot of wishery, misinterpretation of uh, uh, what people were, what I was feeling. You know, right, right. I wasn't. I wasn't uh, trying to sabotage him or anything like that. You okay. know, I, I was just producing other people. And yeah. him and Rudy were insulting me all the time, you know, because <laughs> my name went on Move Your Body and theirs didn't. Right. Which I understand. Now, was that purposely or did was that one of Larry Kanani moves? It was it was Larry's move. Uh, okay. But and no matter how many times I tell him, it, it like hitting a rock, yeah, you yeah. know. So yeah, you took took yeah, our name. I, I told him like you know, you know, Larry's known for that man. He did it know, with us, so you know, I, I know what he can so, do. And there's nothing I can tell him right. to convince him otherwise. Yeah. Even though Larry told him his, himself, and it's on that video that Larry told him himself that he oh, put my name on it. Okay. It's on that. Go right. back and watch. Right. Right. Okay. Right. Uh. Uh, when people are jealous of your success, okay. sometimes you know uh, they get a little bit hostile towards you, right? Okay. Okay. Reason I stopped working with Kurt is I felt they were uh, him and Rudy were you know, hostile towards me. Okay. He'll never admit it, but everybody right. around me saw Byron saw, you know, Kim saw it. Right. it, 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 it right. man, you know, but, yeah, but yeah. like, I said, I don't need this shit. I got, I just got three major label deals, you know, fuck them, you know. <laughs> so, I mean, that's, you know, right, that's why. Yeah. You don't need somebody like giving you negative energy yeah, yeah, yeah. all the time, yeah, yeah. right? So I say, you know, when you did, when you had Kurt on there, I said, oh man, this dude's had negative energy for me this, uh, all these years, three, 
over three decades, he's right. had this negative opinion of me, and he's blaming me for his life. And I said, I'm done. Right. I'm done. But you, but you guys talked about it. Yeah, we and um, talked about it. And you know, hopefully, all and I even had some cre- creative suggestions for his career. Right. But uh, you know. Well, maybe we, you you think we would see uh, Marshall Jefferson and, and Curtis McClain record again? You never know, man. Uh, he was on my he was on my last al- album album that I just did. You okay. know, he, he, we re recorded "Move Your Body." Right. Uh, you know, uh, you never know. Okay. All you know, right. but like he don't he don't want to speak to me anymore. Okay. And uh, uh, you know, I would I I would. Uh, I've asked Harry D a couple of times for his number, but he's scared to give it to me and stuff. <laughs> well, you know I, what? I, I'll give it to you, man, because I, I want to see you get brothers. No. I want to see you brothers. I want together. him to give it to me. Oh, you want him? Okay, so. Uh, no, Curtis, it's all right, because, you know. You, you're hearing this right now. Please call my brother, Marshall Jefferson, please. Thank yeah, you very much. You call know. me up. Although. Uh, if you don't have Marshall numbers, just call me and we we'll make this, we'll work this out, brother. So, Marshall, we're coming towards the end. Is there anything you want to tell the audience right now? <laughs> well, with the pressure all like that, I don't know exactly. But, <laughs> but uh, no. Uh, it's, it's just fundamentally uh, on, a, on a house music tip. Yes. We need more songwriters. Okay. Right? Uh, I would say stop doing the remixes because it's just too crowded out there now. Yeah. It's too many. Yeah. And it it does nothing for you now. Okay. If, if, if you do a remix on somebody, you know, you won't get any recognition. Right. Because it's like, it's just too many of them out there. So promote yourself. As a DJ, as a, and get out, get out there, uh, do an album, right? A whole album on yourself. Yeah, singles are, yeah, nothing. I believe that you too. Know? Yes, you got to do a whole album on yourself, and promote yourself as an artist. Right. I don't care if you're a DJ and you don't do, you don't do any music or vocals. Neither did Frankie Knuckles, right. and he did an album. You have to do a whole album on yourself. Put your personality out there and promote that whole album so that when somebody finally does hear you, right. they don't just hear one song. Right. They they get into you as an artist, and uh, that's really the only way I see forward yeah. for house music is if we get proper artists, not just DJs. I'm talking about singers, yeah. too, Yeah. Uh, artists. That's promote good, yourself Marshall. as an artist. That's good. That's good, brother. And that's the only thing I can say. Uh, All right. Hey, listen, brother. I love you. Thank you for doing this, man. Uh, thanks for having me. <laughs> hey, it's it's something like I I looked up to you, man. I, I, ever since you did your first record, everything I used to go to and buy and look and be like, Marshall, I, I was a fan. I'm still a fan to this day. Uh, it was a great honor working with you on the last two albums in Tennessee City, man. And um, it was always a dream of mine. So, like I said, people, if y'all out there, y'all can dream big. Like Marshall says, make sure you brand yourself, brand your label, brand your your name, brand your artistry so you can go out there and get put out there. Mm. Uh, once again, 
Thank you, Marshall. This was a very nice episode of Everything House Music and More. Oh, thanks. I hope I didn't do engage in too much wishery. No, wish-try. no. That, that's, I'm, I'm going to pop that on the screen. That's going to be the new thing. Wishery. <laughs> We're going to put that in there. You better not do it while somebody's <laughs> talking, man. <All> right? <laughs> so if, if something we don't seem right, we're going to put that flash yeah. out up there. Wishery. Wishery, man. So everybody, please subscribe. Hit the notification button. Subscribe to Everything House Music and More. Go look at Marsha Jeffers, all his Facebook page, Instagram. You'll see where he's coming up to next. And just stay tuned for the future of Marsha Jefferson. Damn. All right, brother. Peace out. All right, peace out. <laughs>